Hello, hello, Brandon Harvey here with this week's episode of Sounds Good, the podcast where every single Monday I sit down with an inspiring person and talk about happiness, overcoming struggles, and living a life of intentionality and wonder. This week, I'm so excited to share a conversation with Blythe Hill. Blythe is the founder of an incredible organization called Dressember. And basically, Dressember is a movement of people using a dress to fight human trafficking and change the world. And if that sounds crazy, that's because it totally is, but in all the best ways. In fact, her movement has already raised more than a million dollars, and this upcoming September is slated to be huge. Blythe is doing some really incredible work, and I loved getting to talk with her. I know that you're going to love hearing from her, so let's just jump straight into the conversation. All right, everybody, I am on the line with Blythe Hill. Blythe, welcome to Sounds Good. Hey, thanks, Brandon. It's so fun to have you here. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks again for asking me. Um, So you and I met, what, like two months ago, a month or two ago in Nashville? Yeah, I think it was back in August, however many months ago that was, at the Story Brand Workshop. Yeah, we were both learning how to tell better stories from master storyteller Donald Miller. And um, it was really fun. That was where I first heard about Dressember. Is that, am I pronouncing it right? I like to say Dressember, like December, or should I be putting yeah. a little bit more emphasis on the dress, like Dressember? I don't know. What, what do I you do? You know, I've <laughs> never been asked that actually, but I don't hate the Dressember, uh, but I, yeah, I just say it like, like December, but Dressember. Good. I think I like that. I was born in December. And so I think that it just rolls off the tongue really smoothly for me to just say December. But anyway. Mm. Um, happy early birthday. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, happy birthday season. I, it's the best. It's the best month ever. But so that's when I first found out about December. Um, and I know about it in its current form. But I want to just kind of for people who don't know about December already, let's bring it back a little bit. And I want to know the backstory. Like how did December first start out? Yeah, you know, it was kind of a kind of an accident the way it all started out. Um, basically, I was in college and feeling kind of stifled by the academic routine and needing a creative outlet. And I came up with the idea of a personal style challenge. And I decided to try wearing a dress every day for a month. And did you have like 31 dresses? Did you have a bunch of dresses or like, was it you know, easy, difficult? I'm embarrassed to admit that I did have <laughs> plenty of dresses. I amazing. don't think I repeated a dress that first year. That's so amazing. I, yeah, I'm already someone who loves wearing dresses. So it was a pretty easy, fun challenge for me. Um, but it was never something that I planned on doing every year. It was just going to be a one-time thing. But the next full month was December. So that was the month I decided to do it. And I came up with the name Dressember. And that pretty much sealed the deal because I love wordplay and puns so it's much. so good. So a good name like makes me twice as excited about an idea. And it, it feels good to say. Like I think everybody should pause the podcast for a second and just oh, yeah. say it because December, like it's just fun. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I appreciate that enthusiasm. Yeah. Um, it is a fun word. <laughs> so you you basically wore a dress every day in December. And the thing, wait, where were you living at the time? Because it's sometimes it's cold in December. Oh, yeah. I always joke with people that I never would have started December if I lived anywhere but Southern California. <laughs> because that is where I was living and still currently live. So it's um, pretty mild winter here. We do get pretty cold nights, you know, down into like the 30s sometimes. But yeah, the real heroes of December are these women in like Canada and Finland and so just all funny. over the world wearing dresses in one of the coldest months of the year. That's hilarious. Okay. And so you basically have this whole month where you wear a dress. Did you tell people? Did people take notice? Was it like what... Was it just you? What did that kind of look like? Yeah, so it was just me that first year. And then, like I said, I never planned on doing it again. But the next year, some of my girlfriends brought it up and wanted to do it with me. Let's say, so you know, it's I a good idea. Again. Other people start bringing it up. Yeah, you know, at that point, I still thought it was like, okay, this is my friends like humoring me. Like they thought this was cool. like a quirky idea and they want to try it with me. They're bored as well. And then the next year their girlfriends brought it up to them and those were women that I didn't even know. And that's kind of when I realized like, Oh, this is a good idea. It's not just my friends humoring me. People like this. That's awesome. At that point, it was just kind of like a fashion fun month thing. And, yeah. uh, and then at what point did it transition into being more than that? Yeah. So that the third year when women I didn't know were joining in, that was when I started realizing like, okay, maybe there's potential for more here and started dreaming about adding uh, another layer to it and adding a cause. And so in 2013, that was the year that I aligned with International Justice Mission. That's amazing. And for those who don't know, International Justice Mission is this killer nonprofit that Actually, you can probably describe it way better than me. Do you want to jump in? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So IJM is the world's largest anti-trafficking organization. They're, like you said, they're an awesome uh, nonprofit organization that works internationally to rescue and restore victims of slavery and other forms of violent oppression. And it's really fun, like following them on Twitter, or I think I'm subscribed to their email newsletter. And they'll do these big raids, and they'll be like, "We rescued mm. 86 girls. We rescued 117 girls from human trafficking." And sometimes that's um, in the United States. Sometimes that's internationally. Um, but they're doing really cool work. And so let's backtrack really quick. You created December uh, at that point to kind of turn into something that benefits others, something that makes a difference in the lives of people who are being trafficked. But I want to know what kind of built you up into the kind of person who would do that. Like, why um, did you have a heart for this? And why did you decide, oh, I want to make this um, something that like gives back instead of, you know, you could have, you could have turned this into a marketing thing. You could have turned this into a way to sell dresses. Like you could have done any number of things with this, but you decided we're going to use dresses to fight human trafficking. Um, and so tell me about your life growing up. Were there any like defining or deciding moments that kind of looking back, you're like, oh, this is, this was like a, a, a pivot point 
for where I am now. Yeah, there, there are. I, you know, it was interesting because I was asked this question when I first aligned with anti-trafficking as our sort of core issue for Dressember. I would get this question and kind of be like, well, what do you mean? Like, doesn't everybody care about anti-trafficking? Doesn't everybody care about freeing women from exploitation and from slavery? And Um, I mean, I think people do, but there is a reason why it's something that I in particular am so fired up about. And it really, for me, stems back to an experience. Well, yeah, an experience I had when I was a little girl. I was molested as a little girl. And um, that really uh, stuck with me for many years, kind of this, the, the weight of that experience and the shame that comes from abuse and, um, the, the blame that you, you know, you put on yourself in an experience like that. I carried that for, for years and years. And so having now as an adult, thankfully, uh, being on the other side of it and having healed from it and forgiven, um, people involved, I still feel just so fired up about, women who are trapped in situations that put the burden of shame and guilt and blame on them that uh, attack their very worth and value. Mm. And so, yeah, it just, it has fired me up ever since I started hearing about this issue incredible. Uh, in college. Do you remember having a first moment where you met somebody else who had had a similar experience, whether it was that they were molested or trafficked or or some somewhere in that range of things and you had a a me too moment with them yeah you know it's sadly so common um not not only with women but with men that it it didn't take long for me once i started being open to talking about it that that people started speaking up like me too I, oh, I've wow. had a similar experience, and I think one of the hugest honors that I, the, you know, the for me, getting to do the work that I'm doing, it's such an honor to get to meet anyone who is a survivor of trafficking, um, mm. because you can't really rate an experience like being molested versus being trafficked, but totally. I feel like I have this glimpse into what that might feel like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, there is such courage on the other side of it for someone to be able to call themselves a survivor and and choose a path that redeems what they've gone through. That's huge. That's incredible. This might be jumping ahead a little bit, but you guys have raised a ton of money to support these women who are coming out of trafficking and these survivors. And um, do you mind sharing how much you guys raised last year? Yeah, last year we had 4,600 women participate all over the world. Whoa. And we raised $918,000. No. That's it. That's yeah. crazy. Okay, so first of all, how does wearing dresses make money? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what's the, uh, <laughs> what, what's the monetization process? <laughs> Yeah, that's probably the number one question I get. Um, And that was actually the first time it was a friend who suggested to me, like, 
you guys should turn Dressember into a fundraiser. And I was like, that would never work. Like, we're just wearing (laughs) dresses. Who's going to, you know, how would we possibly raise money? And then it was really seeing what the Movember campaign has done. Yeah. That um, changed my opinion on the whole thing because they have raised millions and millions of dollars uh, through growing mustaches. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of loosely modeled our um, fundraising model after Movember where you take on a quirky style challenge and set a goal and then just tell everyone in your life, this is what I'm doing and why. And I want to try to raise this much because it can do this type of work. And if you want to support me in reaching my goal, this is my link that you can visit and donate to. And then people do either because they, also believe in ending trafficking or they believe in you um, or both. That's incredible. That's a lot of people being impacted. And you mentioned earlier that you've gotten to spend some time with some survivors. Do you have any particular stories that stand out to you of some incredible people you've gotten to meet? Yeah, gosh, there's there's a handful I can think of, but there was a woman I met last year on a trip to IJM's office in the Dominican Republic in Santo Domingo. I met a young woman named Miriam. She was 17 when I met her, but she, uh, IJM found out about her when she was 15 and, um, someone reported seeing, uh, a girl who looked too young to be a prostitute. Um, she was actually pregnant at the time and, a man was um, soliciting her for sex. And so IJM got involved and were able to get her out of that situation. Um, When I met her, she was in the process of, she had just given testimony against her abuser and uh, they were seeking conviction of that man. Um, And so when I met her, she had this, lightness about her and a sense of hope and dignity that was so beautiful and so speaks to the work that IJM is doing. And she's also going through a job training program that they're offering as part of the aftercare program. That's so cool. just really amazing because uh, the Dominican Republic prostitution is legal there. It's a rampant industry, sort of a sex tourism destination and so IJM's doing a lot of great work on the child trafficking uh, front. That's huge. That's huge. And I love how holistic it is where there's programs that take care of people afterwards. And it's not just like, okay, get you out of this. But it's, you know, it, there's a pathway forward um, that doesn't involve um, transactional sex. Yeah. So like I said before, um, you guys are just making such a cool impact with um, December. I love it. Um, but like anybody who creates something that's powerful and meaningful and makes a difference in the world, I would imagine that you have hit some bumps in the road. So I would love to kind of hear about that because I think it's really encouraging when uh, when you're starting something to kind of hear, oh, wow, that other thing that's successful and amazing they didn't always have it easy. And it's really easy to compare somebody else's completed project to, you know, something that you're just starting out on. Mm. And so what were, what were things like when you first decided to use this to kind of make a 
difference, you know, right in those early stages, right after you'd kind of pivoted to be like, oh, more people want to be a part of this. Did you get any criticism? Yeah, um, that was probably the hardest thing early on was getting, well, you know, honestly, I got mostly positive feedback, but there was the occasional um, critical comment or tweet or email that would come in. They almost, even if you get like one piece of like criticism out of a hundred compliments, that piece of criticism still stings. It stings yeah, a lot. It can be really nagging. <laughs> yeah. And so it's been a challenge trying to figure out how and when to respond to criticism how to clarify our brand messaging in general. So that maybe some of that criticism or the misunderstandings um, will be eliminated. Um, But yeah, it's an ongoing challenge for me as things continue to come in. You know, you really can't please everyone. And so those thoughts and assumptions do continue to come in. I think it'd be easy when critics reach out with um, criticisms and things that they don't love or that, that they wish would be changed or things that they think suck um, to say, oh, cool, I'm going to spend all my time working to please the haters, to please the critics um, mm-hmm. and ignore kind of the people who are already passionate about what you're doing. What are you kind of doing to block out the noise so that you're able to focus? I think one of the best things that I've done is have someone else read the emails that come in to the general Mm, account. (laughs) That's good. That's really practical. Um, Yeah. it's. I started doing that a couple years ago with a volunteer, and now I have interns who help with the emails. And, I mean, not only with critical emails, but also just we get a a ton of the same types of questions that come in. So that just helps my workload overall. Totally. Um, but that's, yeah, that's probably one of the more practical things that I've done that has been a huge help. And then I, I just let whoever is managing the emails know that if there is um, valid criticism that comes in, that I do want to see it just after the campaign in yeah. like February, you know? That's really smart. Yeah, because there's only so much you can do, especially because your thing happens in December. And so it's, you know, if you get criticism in November, it's not going to be able to be implemented into, you know, what's going on next month. And so you might as well just work really hard to, to implement it into the next year in a really great way instead of a kind of a shoddy way. Yeah. And again, it totally depends on the type of criticism that comes in. If it's valid feedback or just mean, (laughs) you know, uh, it makes a difference. And and if it is valid, there are, I have someone else um, read it before me. So, so my intern or whoever will forward it to someone that can decide if it's worth taking action now or just waiting for me to read later. That's cool. That's, that's really smart. It's November right now. December's coming up. I would imagine there's a lot going on, a lot of planning, a lot of craziness that has to happen. But also, this is something you started. This is something you're passionate about. What are you really excited about for December? Like, what's the thing, maybe it's something specific, maybe something big that you're just so thrilled is going to happen? 
Gosh, there are several things I'm really excited That's about. Good. We're having our first ever kickoff event on the first Friday of December here in LA. So that's going to be just an awesome chance to gather some of the the local advocates and would-be advocates here in LA and Southern California. That's so exciting. And then um, it's always just super exciting to me to see how many people we get um, participating each year. So like I said, we had 4,600 last year. I would love if we had 10,000 so or cool. more people participate this year. And then there's also a like kind of sub hashtag that we use in addition to like hashtag December. There's one that's hashtag you can do anything in a dress. Oh, and that's cool. it is so fun to see what these women do. Like shoveling snow from their driveway in a dress or chopping wood or changing a car battery or you name it. It's so like creative and empowering. And that's one of my favorite parts is just watching what they post. That's really cool. Let's talk for a minute about the fact that this is a dress focused campaign. There's obviously femininity built into the campaign to some extent. What can you tell me about that? Like there's something beautiful and powerful about women coming together to fight human trafficking, but I'd love to hear kind of some of your thought process and it, you know, it's, it might've been something that occurred to you after the fact, but um, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. It's funny the way it's all unfolded because it has been kind of incidental, you know, that we chose a dress and are centering this movement uh, to rescue exploited women and promote the dignity of all women. And the dress is sort of the symbol of our movement. Um, and I feel like, you know, f for me, there's femininity is such a hot issue right now. And like gender politics, gender roles, um, there's a lot of tension there, which I'm not afraid of. That is actually really exciting to me to engage in those conversations. That's cool. Um, I have to be pretty clear with people that like, in no way am I saying that a dress is the only way or the best way to be feminine or that men cannot be feminine. Women own femininity, anything like that. Like there are so many ways that femininity expresses itself and the dress is just one. And it's, just um it's more of a uniform than anything that we would put on this uniform of everyday advocacy during the month of December as kind of an act of solidarity um and we could do that with any item of clothing honestly but it it does happen to be the dress in our case and i think there are a lot of um opinions on that which again i think is exciting i think it starts conversation and i think for for women who hate wearing dresses or view the dress as an oppressive piece of clothing there is opportunity for a sort of reclaiming of that that Ooh, like what good. is that for you that the dress is um something you hate or some some memory attached to it that is negative um there's just so much there and I think it can be really powerful for a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. That's really cool. I love that. And that's sweet intentionality. Um, and along those lines, when somebody takes part in dress number, what is the experience that you want them to have? Like what, what do you want them to feel? What do you want the people around them to be saying? Like what, 
What's the desired experience? Yeah, again, I think it's different for everyone, but I would love for every woman who's participating to be able to step into a new level of, of personal freedom for themselves and whatever that means for them. Um, I, you know, I get emails about how this happens for participants and it's still kind of this mysterious thing to me. Um, but I, I love that about it, that it can be such a, a personally freeing and powerful experience that it can be an experience that changes people, just the daily act of putting on a dress and becoming an advocate that there's something really That's empowering cool. about it that you can use what you have, where you are to make a significant impact. Put on a dress and become an advocate. That's really, really cool. Man, on that note, I would love to transition into this part of every single episode where I love to ask three questions to all of our guests. And the first question is, how would you describe the kind of person that you most admire in the world? Oh, that's a great question. Um, more and more, I admire kindness. I admire quiet strength. Mm. And... I guess growing into the leader that I have needed to become for Dressember, I have had my eyes on different leadership styles and just really respect humble leadership. That's really cool. Yeah. Someone who listens, who is flexible, again, is kind. Kindness is so huge. That's really good. And I think a lot of times, I think if you were to just kind of ask a bunch of people in general, like what does a like what qualities does a quintessential leader have? Um, I think a lot of times it feels like a quintessential leader feels overbearing, like overly strong. You know, you, you kind of, you lose that, uh, that softness that you're alluding to and that kindness and that humility. And I think that that's my favorite kind of leader, the kind where, I don't know. They, I feel like when you are around that kind of leader, like you, you want to pay attention. You don't feel like you have to pay attention. You feel like you want to, or you want to be a part of what they're leading. And so that's a really good point. That's getting me thinking. I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, I think like, again, as I'm stepping into a more and more of a leadership role, I've realized how difficult leading is and how lonely it can be and how easy it is to become hardened and cynical. And it's almost the easy way out to just decide like, nope, my way is the right way. Everyone else is wrong and I'm not going to listen. So it is this, this beautiful strength to lean into the, the questions, the feedback, the grumblings. Do you feel like that's kind of the, the secret to keeping from getting cynical as a leader is to kind of pay attention to the feedback, to ask questions, to, is it, is it that part of it or is there, is there another component to it? Oh gosh, I do not presume to know the secret (laughs) to good leadership, but, uh, as I stumble along, I think the things that have helped me are like putting, like I said, putting a kind of buffer in the way, having someone else field, feedback and knowing the right time to review it. Cause I think if you just like put your mouth to the fire hose or whatever that expression is, um, that's going to wear you out pretty quickly. 
but but yeah, taking designated time to review feedback and adjust accordingly is good. And then I think having having a community of other people in a similar situation, other leaders or mentors, um, that's been really helpful for me that's as amazing. well. That's really good. I mean, question number two is what are you consuming that you love right now? Okay, this is kind of embarrassing, but I was really inspired by Game of Thrones. No way. <laughs> yeah, I watched, this is also embarrassing, but I watched all six seasons in like a month and a half over the summer. <laughs> and Daenerys, do you watch the show? I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. Okay. It's a, it can be kind of a rough show to get into because it's graphic and it's violent and it's not for everyone, but the story is so good and so strong and the characters are crazy incredible. And there's this one character, um, who is called Khaleesi and Daenerys Strongboard. Khaleesi just means queen. So that was always Mm. confusing to me when people talked about it, but Daenerys, um, she, is all about freeing people from slavery in her rise to power. Whoa. So that's a pretty clear connection. And um, she's a boss lady. That's so cool. That's so funny. That's not what I expected you to say. (laughs) And that makes me so (laughs) happy. What deep, profound thing can I say? Um, Game of Thrones. So good. My final question is, based on the ways you've chosen to step out and live your life differently... What's one thing you'd encourage someone else to do in their own life today? Yeah, I think for me, it's been incredible to see the power of an idea, um, to see an idea, the silly idea I had when I was bored, um, become such a force of its own and create a community of like-minded people. Um, so I guess I would encourage people to keep ideating and like write down your ideas, talk about your ideas, flesh out those ideas. Like where could, where could those lead and what connections could you make between a hobby and a local or global passion? Like that's, that's gotten me really fired up just seeing how it's played out in my life. That is incredible. I absolutely love that. And Blythe. This has been seriously so much fun. I love everything you're doing with December. This has been incredible. Blythe, if people want to follow along with everything you're doing with December, where can they do that? Yeah, I'd say the best place is social media, namely Instagram. There's the hashtag December or we're on Instagram as December. Perfect. And then what about people who want to get involved? Yeah, for women who want to take the challenge of wearing a dress every day for the month of December, you can go to dressember.org and sign up as an individual or as a team and set a goal and then tell everyone what you're doing and why. And there is a way for men to be involved, Brandon. There's um, (laughs) a growing community of men within the Dressember world who are committing to wearing a bow tie every every day of the month of December. Yeah, and other guys are wearing just any tie or like kind of dressing up like a dressy Sember or dapper Sember or whatever you want to come up with. Yeah. And then if someone just wants to donate, you can also go to dressember.org and donate to the general campaign or search a participant or team name on the site. That is so cool. Man, this gets me so excited. Like, this has seriously been so fun. Thanks for being on the show today. 
Of course. Thanks so much for having me, Brandon. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much to each and every one of you who tuned into the podcast this week. If this is your very first time listening, subscribe to the show to get a new conversation with an inspiring person downloaded straight to your phone in your sleep every single Monday. You can connect with me online and get updates about the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat at at Brandon Harvey. That's Brandon with an E-N. And this week and every week, you can find the show notes for this week's episode of Sounds Good at brandonharvey.com slash podcast. Again, that's brandonharvey.com slash podcast. And Sounds Good with Brandon Harvey is part of the Gradient Podcast Network. It is created in collaboration between Gradient and I. And with that, that's a wrap for this week's podcast. I'll see you online and I'll talk to you next week when we get the opportunity to learn from another inspiring person. Sound good? Sound good?